Hello, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. Um, today we're doing um, another film, not directly inspired by a video game, but much like uh, our last episode, the Joysticks film, which is its name, the Joysticks movie. Much like that, this is very much about video games, not inspired by video games. Would you agree, Rory? To an extent, mm-hmm. I think we'll get into how much it's actually video game related as we talk about the film in question, which is the blockbuster smash Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Mm. And we are joined on this episode by a special guest. Uh, she works in the visual effects industry. She is also my fiance. She is Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. We've got fun and games. <laughs> we do. Um, I guess, w- why is this film called Welcome to the Jungle, apart from the obvious? Well, I guess it's trying to separate itself from the original Jumanji to an extent. But this isn't the only film The Rock has been in with the name Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, yeah? In fact, this is the second film, because... He was in a film called The Rundown, but to international audiences, that was called Welcome to the Jungle Outside of the US. So he's been in two separate movies with Welcome to the Jungle in the title. Are they related? Well, I always thought you said this film, his film was called The Runs. (laughs) (laughs) The Runs He's in the jungle. He should have eaten that thing in the jungle. Well, that, that film actually, The Rundown, apart from The Scorpion King, that was his first big action film I suppose and there is a cameo from Arnold Schwarzenegger at the start of that film where Arnie kind of walks past the rock entering a nightclub and running to the toilet because he has the runs <laughs> yeah and <laughs> says... out of the way <laughs> and uh, basically says you know your turn your nets or whatever it's like this kind of handing over the torch to the next big action oh, that's star cute. yeah yeah that's the only thing people remember about that film though Rocks, jungles, the runs. We've covered a lot so far yeah. in this episode. But um This is our what third The Rock movie? Third um yeah. We've done Doom. Doom. We've Rampage, done Rampage. And I forget, did did this film had this film already come out by the time we start this podcast? I think it had. Yes, I think it was just because okay. uh, it was Christmas-ish twenty seventeen. Mm. And I think um The Rock had gone cray cray. He was buying up. IPs left, right, and centre because he was in Rampage the Rock. <laughs> he was in the Rock. Rampage he wasn't rock. in the Rock. Imagine if the Rock stars in a remake of the Rock. That'd be. I'm sure Hollywood's like... trying to make that happen. Mm, but he'd also been in Baywatch as well. Anyway, we've talked a lot, Lisa. But um, tell us a bit about yourself. What's uh, what's your relationship? Um, I guess with Rory. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been established. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I, I, maybe it's a good way. What's your relationship with Jumanji and, and with um, and why you would perhaps like to do this episode? Um, like 
Probably almost anyone. I've watched Jumanji as a child and I really liked it. And it stayed with me. I sometimes still hear the drums. <laughs> <laughs> now that's, you should get that looked into. Jumanji is the first Jumanji based on a book, which I don't have any of us read the book Jumanji. Nope. It's a nice little 80s storybook. Loose, which has loosely inspired the film. There's no Robin Williams in the in the children's book, <laughs> but the the original film was a calling card for for special effects, for CGI special effects, visual effects, visual effects. <coughs> okay, uh-huh. that's a <laughs> yes. spike in your audio right there. <laughs> You'll get that every time Harry says special visual effects. effects. So, what what is the difference then between visual and special effects? Special effects are things that happen in real life on set, like mm-hmm. if someone does a real life explosion mm-hmm. or okay. blood spurting out of somewhere. And <laughs> <laughs> like like the head does. of anyone who's called a special effect a visual effect or vice versa. <laughs> and visual effect is if it's done on a computer, basically. Mm. So also explosions, also blood, but mm. it's not there in real life. Okay. And often I see SFX gets thrown in the mix, which is like, oh, is that audio? That's, no, that's special effect. So what's audio then? Is it just the word audio? AFX? I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, a moniker from Aphex Twin or something? <laughs> Is it not AUX? AUX. Oh, auxiliary cable. <laughs> Maybe. So, Jumanji 1 came out in 95, and that's a few years after uh, Jurassic Park and a few years after Terminator 2, some of these um, films which really paved the way for, for CGI visual effects. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there'd been CGI in films like forever, but this is when we were starting to do characters, weren't they? And I think you were telling me before we were recording how this was the first film to properly show off, was it like hair? And- Fur animation, mm-hmm. yeah. It was one of the first instances of people doing photorealistic fur on animals. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was also quite difficult doing the animals being sucked into the game because people have been doing creatures but they haven't disassembled creatures okay so as hard as it is to make an animal look real it was also hard to make it look sort of realistic of them being taken apart and sucked into something again because they're based on very like geometric shapes and then making that sort of yeah just going into a vortex that was quite a challenge to do as well so mm. they spent a lot of effort trying to get them to look real and then they're trying to make that realistic thing do something very unrealistic, something which would never happen in real life. Mm. So I got sort of mixed feelings about Jumanji. <laughs> which one? The first one. And the first one? Yeah. So you're What's telling... wrong with all of you? <laughs> yeah, so you're telling me you grew up in a you absolutely, absolutely enchanted you yes i never really clicked with this one and i think i was partly put off by the visual effects (laughs) as a child as a child we really sat there as a child thinking yeah with my little notepad (laughs) saying scene one a good scene one b medium good and medium are the same things i realize i'm talking out my asshole here wait how old would you have been so 95 i would have been 12 12 thank you rory and you would have been 10 
So actually, perhaps you are more of an age to enjoy it than I, Rory. What were your thoughts on the original Jumanji? I always liked Jumanji. Um, I think it's a fun movie, and uh, I liked the performances. I think it's quite funny and charming and scary and exciting. I mean, if we're talking visual effects, I thought they were fine, but I, I remember I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I was slightly clouded by, in particular, the monkeys. And I think the monkeys always looked very odd and not very well integrated with the environment. But having rewatched clips, the other stuff does hold up kind of well. The actual animation of the animals is fine, like the sort of stampeding rhinos and elephants and things. It's more the monkeys. There's something gone a little bit wrong with their faces in particular, I think. I don't know why we're starting this podcast with the most explosive <laughs> of topics where I'll walk out halfway through in disgust. <laughs> Just breaking that down a bit. I mean, I guess you're, you're, you're looking at it at a standpoint that you can really appreciate the stepping stones. Yes, to... it was a milestone in film history. Yeah, and I don't think... I said this on record now. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, exactly. I don't think we disagree with that at all. But, yeah, so you're looking at this from for somebody who's been... Who, who kind of knows how everything is done. And from an outsider, we could only see what we see. And, and yeah, sometimes the, spe- the visual effects... <laughs> oh. Ooh, uh, almost... Just about caught yourself. Exactly. Um, but you weren't working in the visual effects industry when this came out. So no. It's the, the, you know. That's what I'm calling a bit bullshit on, if I'm allowed <laughs> to say these words. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't buy that you guys, as a 10 or 12-year-old, sat there mm-hmm. in front of the TV thinking... Oh, you know what? I don't think this movie quite holds up. <laughs> oh, um, you don't realise how precocious Rory and I were when we were but growing up. But where's the childlike wonder of things? It's a board mm. game come alive. True. How can you not buy into just the magic of... Mm. <laughs> yes, you're painting a picture of just how... How, how cynical. Cynical we are. In, um, in, in the story of our lives... If our, like, if our childhood was the Wizard of Oz, we would have never left Kansas. It was black and white all <laughs> mm. the way until adulthood. Um, well, that's very sad. No, I mean, I, I studied... I mean, I, I wanted to make films when I grew up and I had a real bee in my bonnet for poor CGI. When you were 12. When I was 12, yeah. Wow. I liked... Um, I was a massive fan of the Alien films and uh, really thought the special effects for the, the Alien Queen... Special effects are in camera... <laughs> But Alien Queen were unsurpassed. And then you look at those films now and you realise, oh no, you can totally see the metal struts inside her neck and things like that. I think Alien holds up really well. Mm. I feel like none of this is about Jumanji. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we've gone on a tangent before we even started. Well, well, yeah, let's get things... I feel that... my presence is just this negative interruption. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one final thing about the original film I, I just can't help but mention is that... Um, I know a story about my our local cinema in Somerset, the Welsh Film Centre, who we've uh, checked name checked before, and apparently during a screening of Jumanji, the projector broke because um, kids back in the day films were projected on film, and sometimes the film would break. And the owner of the cinema came out to the audience. He apologised and said, "You can come back tomorrow for a free screening, or I can act out the rest of the film." <laughs> And they voted for acting out the rest of the film. And sadly, I didn't get to see it. But I heard how he basically did the entire stampede. 
He did everything. Mm. One man show. I just wish I had been there to see the owner of the cinema act out my Mount Jumanji. No, he should have taken that to the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Jumanji mm. one man show. I'm sure would have gone down well. That's an idea. But there's a Jack Black film where they just act out movies. Have you seen that? Oh, Be Kind Rewind. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, Be Kind Rewind. Yeah, did he? He didn't do. They didn't do a Swedish version of Jumanji in that, did they? Uh, that I would think have been not, funny. But we kind of should look that up. <laughs> yeah. Just to tie things all back into the podcast. Jumanji is amazing. <clears throat> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> That's the final word on the subject. Interestingly enough, uh, there was a review from Roger Ebert at the time, and uh, he compared the film, not particularly in the nicest way, but to video games. And he said, the underlying structure of the film seems inspired by, or limited by, interactive video games. There is little attempt to construct a coherent story. Instead, the characters face one threat after another, as new and grotesque dangers jump at them. It's like those video games where you achieve one level after another by killing and not getting killed. The ultimate level for young viewers will be being able to sit all the way through the movie. Ooh, gosh. Ooh. Everyone's ganging up on you, Lisa. That's not fair. <laughs> you know what? I bet you, though, uh, our listeners are on your side. I bet I'd be, I'd be surprised if some people are still listening. On how, why is Rory and Harry crapping all over our childhood classic? I like Jumanji. Okay. Maybe it's just me then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, clearly Jumanji was a big enough deal and a big enough name mm-hmm. that... A kind of nostalgia... That The Rock fancied buying it 20 years later. (laughs) But, you know, clearly it was a big enough deal and a big enough name to get a huge amount of attention and a big audience Mm. and people looking for something, not just nostalgia, but a new spin on on that. And I think there's a, a lot to do is obviously, of course, with the star appeal of The Rock as well as the rest of the cast. He is a very, you know, proven box office gold. But also, you know, the, yeah, the nostalgia with the name Jumanji, because this film was the fifth highest grossing film of 2017. It made $962 million at the box office. Yeah, we're talking about the sequel now. Okay. Yeah. How did... They... Yeah. Wow. No, well, well, I think the, fir- the first film was, like, a success for mm. its time. Oh, yes. Um, but this is, like, you know, close to a billion dollars... For a 20-year-afterwards sequel, which doesn't have any of the original, you know, cast for, you know, various reasons. And seats to update it in quite a radical fashion. It's not just, oh, here's the board game again. Because um, no so, one plays board games. Well, I guess that's the point of the movie a little bit and why we're covering it on the Games and Film podcast. Yeah, I guess actually it's worth pointing out we're not doing the original specifically because there's no... There's no video games in, was it, the 50s when the... Uh, the first film takes place in 1969. Okay. Well, can I just say, I think the idea to have a board game come alive is a really good one. Mm. And I'm surprised it didn't become a franchise mm. as such. Because, yes, there's been Sephora, yes, there's now Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, but it just seems like an idea that you can adapt in so many different ways, have so many different board games. Mm. You'd I mean, think Monopoly. <laughs> Welcome sure. to Wall Street. <laughs> like, oh my god, these bankers are causing havoc through this small town. I mean, I haven't seen Wall Street 2 Money Never Sleeps, but mm. you know, maybe that was a stealth Monopoly movie <laughs> with Michael Douglas playing the Monopoly man. Mm. I didn't watch it. No, the board game thing is a very juicy concept, and yeah, you know, I'm happy that there's another Jumanji 
film coming out based on the video game, it would be sad if we never see the board game aspect again. I, I was surprised that, that you two hadn't seen it, but um, we were watching Zathura, A Space Adventure, which was is kind of part of the Jumanji universe in the sense that it's another board game and it's based on a book by the same author, but there aren't many more specific connections to Jumanji beyond that. But that's a really good film. Uh, it was from John Favreau, director, and we were just watching it this morning. And if you want to hear Tim Robbins say the phrase Smash Brothers, um, <laughs> mm. then you can find that in Zathora. And I've we always also... wanted to hear that, so I'll <laughs> check that out. There's a few video games pop up in that film as well. But crucially as well, in the film, Kristen Stewart plays a bolshy teenager in the movie, mm. which was kind of her thing at the time anyway. But she has, in her bedroom in the movie, a Tenacious D poster. So Jack Black appears in both Zathura in poster form Mm -hmm. and Welcome to the Jungle. So maybe Zathura and Jumanji may be in separate universes or Jack Black exists in the Jumanji universe, but also a very clear lookalike of him in the (laughs) Jumanji video game. Do you know how how they tell you that the 90s kid is in the 90s in Jishmanji 2. He has a poster on his wall which just says grunge. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it does just say grunge, doesn't it? I missed that. Well, shall we talk about Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle? Why not? Spoiler warning for Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. So sometimes we have video boxes which say the entire plot. Um, But this is a modern video box. And so... It They're goes, called DVDs. DVDs. <laughs> um, Not modern videos. <laughs> it be- so it begins. Four teenagers in detention discover an old video game console with a game they've never heard of. When they decide to play, they are immediately sucked into the jungle world of Jumanji in the bodies of their avatars, Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart and Karen Gillan. They'll have to complete the adventure of their lives filled with fun, thrills and danger or be stuck in the game forever. That's pretty much it. It's a fair encapsulation, I suppose. It's just not what the avatars are called, but fair (laughs) enough. Yeah, they're not playing the the actual actors in the game. For a minute, I thought that The Rock had starred in a film called Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan. (laughs) It's a very interesting film. Well, this is a fun group. Welcome to detention. Spencer. Bethany. Fridge. Martha, you're all here for a reason. Hey, person walking! You should be thinking about who you are and who you want to be. You'll have plenty of time to figure that out while you're cleaning out the basement. Are you gonna help or are you too pretty? I'm too pretty. Yo, what's this? A game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Jumanji. You pick a character and you're that person in the game. Which one do I pick? I don't think it matters that much. Bruce Finbar. Sounds like a badass. I'll be the curvy genius. Dr. Smolder Bravestone. I guess I'm Ruby Roundhouse. Who are you? It's me, Spencer. Who is she? Martha? 
Why am I wearing half a shirt and short shorts in the jungle? I think we got sucked into Jumanji and we become the avatars we chose. So that means Bethany? Oh, wait, Bethany, don't look at it. <gasps> no! I'm an overweight middle-aged man. Well, I don't have my Claritin and all I see around here is pollen. Well, I don't have a top two feet in my body. Damn, that is a man right there. Don't cry, don't cry. Don't cry, it's gonna be okay. Welcome to the jungle. This is a video game, which means we all have special skills. Why am I running so slow? That was so intense. I like Kent even with this place. Watch your step in here. Get in there and save her. I'm not gonna get in there. You get in there. I got a backpack on. You don't get in water with a backpack. Everybody knows that. Yeah, so I suppose the big difference between this film and its predecessor is that they go into the jungle world. Whereas the magic of the film and the book was seeing things like rhinos careening through a house and stuff like that. And there's various films... I, especially sequels, which seem to go to the place only hinted at in an original. For some reason, I'm thinking of Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. <laughs> I was thinking more of The Matrix Reloaded, where they exactly. go to Zion, mm. and it's lame. Yeah, true. <laughs> they they hint at, you just, you, your imagination is, what is Zion? And then you go there, and it's just full of wet hippies. And I say kill them all. Wow. <laughs> We're really positive. Today. Harry's just come back from Glastonbury, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, I just realised I was I was dancing for up until five a.m. beneath a giant robot effigy. I realised so maybe it says something about my attitude towards the denizens of Zion. And you worship your robot overlords, indeed. So yeah, what what are your thoughts? What are your feelings about? going to the jungle as opposed to maybe a retread of the original where they have slightly more realistic monkeys going around 2017 <laughs> America. Burn. <laughs> I'm, I admire the fact that not only we're doing a sequel to an original film decades previous, but to completely update it in that respect. So I think it is an interesting way of going about that to make them go into the Jumanji world. The Jumanji original did have an animated spin-off, mm. which involved the characters going into Jumanji each episode, I think. It's um, always that weird little thing, isn't it, where, like, Beetlejuice was another example, where the film ends with the characters despising Beetlejuice and very happy to be rid of him. And then the cartoon is the continuing adventures of Winona Ryder's character and Beetlejuice <laughs> having all sorts of fun. Yeah. yeah, I appreciated that they did really try and refresh it and update it in that respect. But I do agree that something is lost a little in doing so. Yeah, I do think it's more magical to have the game come into your world rather than you just being transported into a game. But I think... The one thing that I liked about it is in the original, Robin Williams gets sucked into the game mm. and he's stuck in it. Mm. So I think in a way that's a bit of a reference to that. 
it's it's less interesting in a way. It's probably easier to film in some regards. But it would have been nicer if the world of Jumanji would have been more interesting. It definitely looks like it was filmed in Hawaii, which it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, when Robin Williams comes back in the original, he's you get this sense that he's been living in a nightmare, an absolute yes. nightmare for 20 years. And um, when we meet, we find his treehouse in this one, which seems really chill. <laughs> it's like, nice place. I, w- I wonder, though, how much, because the game has changed from a board game to a video game and whether it then reconfigures itself in a while. So the Jumanji we see in Welcome to the Jungle is a bit different to the Jumanji we see in the board game version Mm. and so maybe it's a bit cleaner and slicker or i don't know yeah i took it as two different places but Mm. i'm not sure what the intention was well i mean that's that's i'm interested you brought that up because i very much got the impression that the original was the sort of african plains and african creatures Mm. and i think in this one it felt again very tropical original jumanji because you have more of um the iconography of the game feels more like, you know, colonial Africa. You have the big game hunter character, etc. It feels more like that, whereas I guess Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle would be, yes, more tropical, more Amazonian, mm. perhaps. Mm. Just case in point, the Great White Hunter is my favourite villain in, in most of cinema. Well, the... just, I like his big gun the, the... i'm a complete conservative guy i realize <laughs> no but i mean he's he's kind of a, a bad and he's, and he's played by the dad of the kid isn't he yeah they peter yeah. pan pantoed mm. it by having mm. the sort of the father and hook combined in the same actor but the the big game hunter in the original jumanji is also called van pelt Oh, right. And the bad guy in this is called Van Pelt as well. Mm. So that's like a... Ooh. Ooh. They've, they've watched the original. <laughs> <laughs> well, just speaking of that, um, did they watch the end of the original? Because I went ah. back and watched the end of the original before recording. Where? Because the original ends with the Jumanji game board being washed up on a beach. And there's some French people. Or at least the dialogue is in French. Mm. So assuming that the board has either travelled all the way down a drain into the ocean to Quebec. France. Or it's gone <laughs> yeah, or it's gone to Canada, so maybe not too far. But you know, the way this film starts it, Welcome to the Jungle, it does start with the board game being washed up, but it's just like a year later, it's set in 1996, and it's, I guess, just another American town? Well, you know, the French people could have played the game, thrown <laughs> yeah. it back into the ocean. They won. It yeah. was just like, they did it very nonchalantly. <laughs> they were yeah. just like, oh, there's a lion in my, <laughs> hey, in my cupboard. Get out of my roast beef. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a rhino. No big deal. <laughs> Au revoir, board game. Pas de problème. They cheated. <laughs> or they just, you know, ignored it. Or they were maybe French tourists. Who mm. knows? Um, no, but seeing that Jumanji always resets the time at the end of the game, yeah. I can still buy both well, mm. the ending and the beginning of the film. And the big thing is, of course, it's a magic board game, and it does tend to be wherever it wants to be. Oh, crikey, I hope we don't get... The creator of the board game in the third film. I mean, re- the reason we're doing Ooh. this... 
Oh, does that really excite you? Yeah, I think that's okay. cool. But Origin I don't story. think I don't think it will be in the third film because no. that's not what it looks like. I think all. when they start running out of ideas, it'll be um... Jumanji Origins. Yeah. I think that'd be really interesting. <laughs> I'd like to see that. No, fair play. I mean, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is that there's a new one coming up and they seem to have got fresh ideas. We've got different um, adults turning into video game characters. So... Mm. We'll get back to what we're talking about in a moment, but I think a good thing about this particular film is that it really allows the actors to to, to act. It's, yes. it's very broad, but in this film you've got a nerd who turns into The Rock, and so The Rock really gets to play a nerdy character, and I think Danny DeVito gets transported into The Rock's body in Jumanji The Next Level, the upcoming film. So again, it's a... A lot of fun to be an actor in these Jumanji movies. But... <laughs> you say that as if you had acted it yourself. Oh, <laughs> it was oh. a lot of fun filming this yes. film. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, look out for me in the upcoming film. So, uh, the, so the setup of Welcome to the Jungle then is that, yes, the board game does get a claim from the original and some grunge fan as we've established (laughs) um picks it up and uh just takes it back to his place but then just thinks ah board games board games suck yeah so who plays board games anymore so one night the board game magically transforms into a video game cartridge Mm. for a non-descript console (laughs) yeah at one point later on in the film they're like what the hell's this like an old school nintendo or something but, I mean, this being a Sony production, there's Sony products everywhere. everywhere. Oh, gosh, yes. I if, mean... you, if you saw that, um, it resurfaced recently, that Tom Hanks press conference from 2009, when he's talking about all the Sony products that exists around him. And it's like, Sony, Sony, Sony! Oh. Sony this, Sony that! I know. You can, you can, you I can, can read any... books on my kit. As Sony Digital Reader. <laughs> Harry's James Bond reference of the episode is that the last few films are very much Sony films and they're full of product placement. And while the James Bond films, of course, are famous for their product placement, you get a feeling that he would have better gear. <laughs> He's like, he would have, like, better phones. That's your job at Sony in the future, gone out mm, of the window. No, right I, I won't try and force Sony Ericsson phones via computer. He might just have something a bit, a bit better. So this kid, he plays the cartridge, gets sucked into Jumanji and flash cut to present day. Mm. And again, we, we established that this is a Sony Pictures film because our lead character, Spencer, his um, bedroom has an Uncharted 4 poster. Ooh. He's playing Street Fighter V on his PS4. Uh, he's got a Last Guardian poster yes. i think as well i mean I, I quite enjoyed that there were real games the first the, the game played in the 96 was i think it's twisted metal it's yeah it's twisted metal when i first saw it i couldn't recognize it but it's twisted metal i like how the board game modernizes itself mm. it goes with the time mm-hmm. it knows people don't play board games anymore unless they're losers <laughs> <laughs> well I'll, I'll just 
To be fair, that kid, that grunge kid, he receives a board game, which is obviously for more than one player. He's not going to just sit there and open it and start playing with himself. That would be a very weird tangent. <laughs> yeah, it would be weird if he opened up a board game and then started playing with himself, Harry. Yes, that would be very, <laughs> very inappropriate. Well, you know, what is, what's, what's the That's famous phrase? Out. A game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Anyway. Let's introduce our main characters. Well, the thing is... We, we're joking about the the grunge poster and and the very broad characters, but you, you have Yet to... Yet you be... were never that cool. <laughs> no, I was never that cool, no. The, don't want to spend too long with these characters before entering the world of Jumanji, so there's not much... Um, there are not many script pages they have to, to basically introduce these characters to get what the characters are about. So, yes, while it does seem very obvious that you have the it girl who's very Instagrammy, got the uh, nerd character played by, what's his name? Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf. And you've got uh, the sports dude and the in, in, introverters yeah. lady. Um, I don't know their names. <laughs> but they didn't have to have a good cast for these young kids. I think, actually, sorry to shit on Jumanji 1 again, but I don't remember the kids in Jumanji being that entertaining. But I found... Kirsten Kirsten Dunst? Dunst. No, no, sorry, forgive me. (laughs) No, I apologise. Kirsten Dunst, the bomb. I meant young Robin Williams. He's all right. I didn't think they're so great. I feel that the young cast here, they really do gel. They really do have a rapport and... I really, really get the sense that the adult characters, even though these teenage characters are all in like their twenties and thirties, really, but these the adult avatar characters are very much playing the kids. I think it's really, really fantastic. I was amazed to find out that the guy who plays Fridge, mm-hmm. his name is Sidarius Blaine. Nice. Wow, that should be the name of the rock. In this he sounds like a Harry Potter character. He's, I guess, playing what seventeen or something, maybe yeah. sixteen, seventeen. Mm. He's thirty-two years old. Really? <laughs> He's older than Karen Gillan. <laughs> he no, he actually pulled off the teenage yeah. look. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. Wow. But when you were a kid, didn't you grow up not really realizing how many, like Marty McFly? What was he? Twenty? Was Michael J. Fox in his like? Mid to late twenties when he was playing a teenager. Yeah, he was at least somewhat young though. I think John <laughs> John Travolta in Greece was forty five. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this cast is great. Um, very quick introductions of to what they're all about. I very much appreciated uh, Spencer using anti back on his hands and then on his face. As soon as his mum says something about his epipen, mm. I thought hereditary. <laughs> Yes, I guess um, I saw this before Hereditary and Hereditary turned out to be one of my favourite horror films of last year and his character goes to some dark places and that so it's really fun to see this character be kind of a dweeb and and completely different in Mm. this one. It's called Acting Boys and Girls. (laughs) So we we have uh, Bethany, she's an Instagrammer. Uh, very keen on selfies and herself. You have Fridge, who is a big um, American football dude who was friends with Spencer from a long time, but now only treats him as a way to get uh, his homework done. And you have Martha, who, yes, is the introvert, and she's not very keen on physical activity 
she seems does not equate sports with fun. Her attitude towards sports very much reminds me of me and my attitude towards sports at school. Oh, <laughs> me too. Yes, um, was very relatable. <laughs> I feel like all these actors are going to keep on doing awesome films throughout their careers, and, I'm, and part of the reason why I'm excited uh, to see the next Jumanji film is to see this young cast again, because I think they all return. And I feel like the film also makes the most of like the kind of side characters, because... You have Missy Pyle, who mm. I'm a big fan of, and she mm. just plays the gym teacher. She's in it for, like, a scene, but and it's when Missy Ma- Pyle. Yeah, and when Martha is sort of basically shitting all over the a gym instructor job right to her face, it's a great little bit of comedy there. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Mark Evan Jackson as the principal, who pretty much just plays authority figures, like, in everything anyway. Both those actors are like a reassuring presence in these kind of movies. Yes. I would like to see a cut where, told from the adult's perspective, it's about 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no one goes to Jumanji. And I think the headmaster's like, wow, that detention really works. They were <laughs> really upstanding young citizens now. <laughs> did Wait, I... how did the game end up in the school? I've Lots got of junk. no idea. Again, magic. Because junk usually ends up in schools. Yeah. That's how junk works. That's weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> I suppose. Because th- there is the hint that, so the kid in 1996 has gone missing, um, and like his dad is like a scary old guy now, and um, uh, I imagine he must have like thrown out his son's stuff and, I don't know, donated it to the school or whatever. So you know, some parents, when they lose a child, they keep the room just as they left it. But this, <laughs> this dad, dad, like two days later, is like, oh, fuck all this trash. He's not coming back. <laughs> I'll donate it to the school. <laughs> yeah, so the kids, they, they all end up in detention for various reasons. The Spencer and Fridge have been caught, I guess, sharing homework and cheating on their papers and as you mentioned Martha insults the gym teacher whereas Bethany is too busy facetiming her friend in class um, so they all get wind up in detention and then you have to go clean out the storage room and this is when the principal says you have to ask yourself who do you want to be in life which is like foreshadowing because who knows what might happen oh yes they'll have to work out who they are maybe this is a good point to talk about what is the message of this movie because i think i can't decide whether it's saying you can be anyone because they are randomly assigned these avatars and they have to sort of own this this randomly assigned characteristic or is that what but then he then he says you have to decide who you want to be so i, I don't get it it's like you can decide whatever you want to be, but also you can be anything... Oh, maybe it does track. I don't know. Help me out here. Well, I think once you have children, you will find out, you will say to them, you can be whoever you want to be, and you can grow up to be amazing. But it's just they're teenagers, so they're finding themselves. And but one, of the, one of them has been in high school, because he's like 32 now. <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, been he clearly needs time. to overthink who he is. <laughs> <laughs> what he's doing with his life. No, but, you know, at the end when um, Martha says, oh, let's just be cool and adventurous in real life as well. Mm. That's the whole thing. Like, just be confident and own who you are. Mm-hmm. Just don't be afraid to do things you want to do. And, you know, also be nice to each other. Yeah, and Bethany, I guess, has to learn some sort of humility and put herself in other people's shoes. And I don't know. The thing is that they all become different characters 
and they all learn something about themselves through the traits of the characters because if they had known who they were going to be they wouldn't have necessarily picked those people with the four characters in detention and having to clean up the storage room as mentioned they pick up the discarded console from before with the jumanji game inside and they decide to plug it in and give it a whirl and they each select uh, a character to play as there are five characters to choose from but one character has already been selected. There's um, no such thing as five-player games, though. I don't know. I question it's... the realism of this Jumanji <laughs> video game. I don't know whether it's a four-player game, but there's five to choose from. No, that's true. But clearly, it has the ability to no, have they five need players. Each other. Maybe they can't play it with only four. Imagine if they yeah. sold, played the whole game in split screen in that in their eyes saw five squares. <laughs> and like, uh, I'm sure I've played a five-player split screen i recently downloaded virtue racing and that has an eight square split screen load <laughs> should <Jeez>. you choose <laughs> wow but yeah they get transported and it's a quite a cool f- visual effect <laughs> is it like i can't remember the original it does it look the same as the original well fun fact apparently originally the director wanted it to look like the boys turning into plasma and then he was like, oh, no, maybe more like sand or dust. And didn't you say it took about a month to develop plasma and then a month to develop sand? Yes, dust? because none of these tools existed. So mm. they took quite a long time to research mm-hmm. and then create a look. And I think this is a bit of a throwback to that effect. It looks similar. It's like they're turning into paint or something like that. But then we, we have a fir- Yeah, they don't turn into pixels. No. Which is what you would expect. This is a video game movie podcast, damn it. Why aren't they all pixelated? Mm. I think we should write a sternly worded email <laughs> to the director of um, this film. What's the name of the director again? Uh, director is Jake Kasdan. Mm. And he's probably best known more for comedy work. He did... Not like this serious-minded drama. Well, no, but like <laughs> just general comedy. So mm. he did Sets Tape, he did Bad Teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best one I've seen of his is Walk Hard, that's, the Dewey Cox story. That's a classic. Which is very funny. But probably relevant to this is that he is the son of Lawrence Kasdan, who was co-writer of Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and a director in his own right, but also co-writer of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. For which this film, I suppose, as any film of this kind, would draw a certain amount from. I mean, a, a cool thing about this world of Jumanji, because it's a video game, because it's magical, because it's not a real place, it can be a proper grab bag of everything. I remember when the first trailer came out and you see these guys on motorcycles, and that didn't really feel very Jumanji. But then it's a video game, so they can have... They can have anything. In fact, I think one character exclaims, what is this game? And it's, it's just everything. It's, it, there's no limit on what it can be. I guess, you know, if, if it was based in 1996 when Jumanji decided to become a video game, I guess there's a certain amount of Tomb Raider mm. um, that could draw from a little bit. We watched just before recording Jack Black and Karen Gillan playing Crash Bandicoot together on a Jack Black's, I don't know, video game YouTube channel while they're on the set of the new Jumanji movie and Karen Gillan referenced the fact that there's a certain amount of Crash Bandicoot DNA I suppose in Jumanji 
Welcome to the Jungle. But there's a Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle video game being made at the moment. Coming out just before the sequel. That seems like you're playing with fire. I don't want to be sucked into no Steam game. <laughs> no. My wife's going to just find my Ikea chair slightly rocking and a little puff of smoke coming out of my Switch. It's like, where's Harry? <laughs> and then I'll be banging on the screen and she'll turn it off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, plug. oh, he's there. He's there. <laughs> I'll turn it off and all again, see what that does. No! <laughs> cool, so these guys all arrive and much like the start of the film, this speeds through a lot of the rules of the game world in, in a very, um, I think a very good way because um, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of exposition to get through and it does a few things to uh, make it go through smoothly it introduces things like lives when you saw the tattoos on their arms did you assume they were lives when yeah. you saw three things immediately yeah okay and one of the first things which happens is jack black gets eaten by a hippo yeah he gets deep blue seed <laughs> he very much does there's actually some fantastic behind the scene footage and he absolutely is um, is strung up on wires really quickly. You know how when we do shotgun, when they shoot somebody with a shotgun in the film and a little invisible wire pulls them back violently, they violently pull Jack Black up and his legs go up in the air and everything. And then they, they wrap a CGI hippo around it. So um, that's spectacular. But in that moment, it then introduces the concept of respawning. Mm-hmm. So when a character dies, they have these three lives they lose a life, but then their character reappears and falls from the sky back mm. into the game. That's just one of the few video gamey elements that has been introduced into Jumanji 2017. Mm. That's the only one I thought was introduced in a clever way. No, true. I mean, there's another aspect which is introduced a little bit later where everyone learns their skills. And that is a nod to video games. It's mostly done for yucks. There's a joke later on where we learn we learn Kevin Hart's weakness is cake and then he eats some cake and you can see this coming a mile away, really, this joke. And then once he eats the cake, it takes a little bit too long for him to explode. It, I think the timing is a little bit off with that particular joke. I think he needed to explode either right away or, or just, I don't know. I don't know about that one, but... I thought it was funny. T- well... T- Later on, we learn, we learn Karen Gillan's, one of her weaknesses is venom, and you never forget this. So when she is surrounded by snakes, you are thinking, ooh, shit, her mm. weakness is venom. I mean, to be fair, most people's weaknesses is venom. <laughs> it's like when you stab a vampire fair. through the chest with a stake, you think, I don't think I could survive that either, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> um but yeah, so there's a few nods, but with varying degrees of success. Oh! What'd you just do? Strength. Fearless. Climbing. Speed. Boomerang. Smoldering intensity. The hell are you doing? What just happened? Um, you just smoldered. Weakness. None? Uh, how'd you do that? That, uh, that list? Uh, well, I just, I, I think I just pressed my, my enormous left peck. Yeah, it's like the boob area. Let me show you. Get the hell away from me. At least press it in front of us so we know exactly how to Strength, karate, tai chi, aikido, dance fighting. Dance fighting? Is that even a thing? Weakness, 
Venom. Yeah, so let's run down the avatars mm. that they're playing as. So Spencer has become uh, Smolder Bravestone, who is basically The Rock. I don't think there's much of a stretch in terms of at least physique and look. And The Rock seems to be kind of wearing the same thing in every single movie like, <laughs> nowadays. Like it's, it's so odd when you watch trailers for like, Hobbs and Shaw... And he's kind of playing a character that this character in Jumanji takes the piss out of. It's a bit strange. I mean, The Rock is fantastic, isn't he? He's got he's got the he's range. He's amazing. We love and him. he's hilarious. And going back to what you're saying about Arnie, I was watching this film thinking, Arnie tried comedy and he's not very good. And Aww. he's not very good. There's, there's, I feel like you're laughing kind of at Arnie more than with Arnie sometimes, but... Do you have a classic comedy Arnie film that you're thinking of? Well, I, th- I think he's very self-aware, though. He is self-aware. He is. It's For sure. not like I'm really, really great at... I can do all the stuff that any comedian can do sort of thing. He's more just like, I know my range, I know my limits, and I can play mm. around with that in a self-aware way. So, I, I, you know, I think he's got a lot of charm mm. in his performance. But I do feel The Rock has more range, and I think... There's scenes when he's trying not to cry. And as I say, I really believe he's his nerd, this, this nerd character. And later on in the film where he uh, he starts to profess his feelings for Karen Gillan's Martha character. I think both those actors are so good. I feel they really are conveying teenage mm. teenage love. And... Um, any in any drama school, you 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 do lessons where you pretend to be an old person, a young person, a baby, mm. things like that, and it's just so fun to see this sort of this acting workshop thing happening in this big movie, where The Rock is not playing a muscle bound man; he's playing somebody pretending to be a muscle bound man, and it's just a lot of fun. So we also have Bethany has been transformed into Professor Sheldon Shelley Oburn. Uh, she selected Shelley, I think, thinking it was a girl, and I think says what the curvy, curvy genius or something. something I don't like know, that. something curvy like something. that. Yeah, curvy, not meaning sexy lady. We discover, meaning uh, rotund gentleman. He describes himself as an overweight middle-aged man, as he it looks as his reflection in a dirty stream. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked his performance. Uh, my missus, though, really hated it. <laughs> the Bethany character, she's introduced as a very one-dimensional character. But as the film goes on, I feel that she does get a bit of depth. And she does become self-aware. And I think, although there is humour from um, Jack Back pretending that he's a girl, I feel like he really is, again, going back to my acting workshop workshop thing, I really think he is... There's no one moment where he's not pretending that he is a teenage girl. I don't think he's playing it necessarily for yucks. I think he's just trying to be this character. It's not trying to be mocking hmm. in that respect. I think it's sort of, it's an earnest performance. It's not, I think the the fact that he's a teenage girl, that's not where the caricature is. I think what doesn't work for the character is the rather kind of lame Instagrammy stuff where's my phone where's my phone yeah i I find that stuff is a bit kind of like this feels like a middle-aged man writing Mm. a teenager (laughs) as opposed to what a teenager would say i think his performance is sensitive portrayal of a teenage girl 
It's just the kind of dialogue that is being said is a little bit like, I wish I could take a photo because then it'd be on Instagram and I'd get so he's, many followers and likes. He's talking about his penis in that one, isn't he? Well, but a girl would. A girl, that's, oh, absolutely. That's a realistic <laughs> thing. Um, I think, yes, I guess your minus may vary. When the character first discovers that she's... Uh, uh, Jack Black then there's a lot of that but I do think as the film goes on especially when she starts getting the hots for uh, Alex um, a character they meet later I feel that she she forgets more about her phone and becomes more of a human being and again crucially I when she's making when she's starting to fancy uh, Alex I don't think that's played for yucks either I actually felt like she really did care for Alex yeah it was a very sweet erection Erection that, that right. he she had. <laughs> yes, no, uh, thought, what a sensitive portrayal! <laughs> I thought you using innuendo there, but no, you just said erection. <laughs> well, can I just say I think Bethany is my favorite character arc mm. in a way because I think in the beginning it's a bit annoying the whole oh she's a teenager she's obsessed with her phone, but what I really like is I think you all assume that she will pick on Martha. Mm. And be really mean to her because Martha is less cool. Martha is not really trying. Martha doesn't really like her. But actually, from the start, she's full on girl power. We need to support each other. And she always tries to lift her up. Mm. And I thought that was a very modern, good portrayal of women. And that really surprised me. Yeah, yeah. There's they have that sort of heart to heart where she says, you know, you're a babe, own it. Exactly. That sort of thing. But she does that throughout the movie. Even the sort of flirting lessons are very, you know, mm. she really tries to help her, whether that's, you know, successful or not is yeah. another thing. But she really just wants Martha to feel confident and happy and, you know, do her best. And I think that's really cool. That, that was my favorite thing. Mm. And also Bethany um, takes issue with um, Martha being very judgy towards her. And I think... I took that on board myself. I guess I was being quite judgy about her being an Instagram girl as well. And you just think, well, no, this is, she's doing what makes her happy. And also, Bethany is the first one to finish the exam. So I think it's kind of implied that she's very smart. Even though, you know, clearly she doesn't have the social awareness not to Mm. take a phone call in class. Yeah. But she must also be really clever in school. You know Mm. what? I completely passed me by, but you're absolutely right. Shall we talk about Martha then? who in the game is the character Ruby Roundhouse, killer Mm. of men, and is portrayed by Karen Gillan. I thought Karen Gillan was great in this. The the bits when she is trying to learn how to flirt Mm. and also learning how, and she does her her dance foo. Is it dance? What's it called? Dance fighting. What a performer. Uh, she, uh, she, She was just cracking me up with her, like, attempt at anime eyes. And she was instructed to in her flirting lessons, um, have her mouth slightly opened and touch the top of her tongue and she's just doing all these weird mouth faces. Oh, yeah, with her hair kind of all covering her face and, mm. and stuff. I think probably because it's easier because who she is physically in the video game is closest to her actual in-real-life character. But I think she does a really good, good, good job of capturing the kind of shy... Mm. The body the language. shyness, the body language, the way she's not really looking at people in the eye so much and just 
lack of confidence. She feels very embarrassed by her outfits, and you can tell she's always constantly cut, covering her midriff. And like, I think at one point she puts on a coat and she's wearing that for a long time, and she's just mm. hunched over. And yeah, she's obviously perhaps the best thing in the last couple of Marvel films as well. So I think the mm. oh yeah, strong statement. We've got a Nebula fan in the house. We totally do. I mean, I love how in. I love her in Guardians of Galaxy 1 where she was basically a Masters of the Universe villain. She was like screeching at people and that felt perfect for that film. And then she just became the actual emotional core of the, you know, the subsequent ones. I love Karen Gillan. And actually she's um in the tr- trailer for the next Jumanji film. She is the one, Martha is the one character who is the same avatar. And Martha becomes Ruby Roundhouse again. So again, I think that's the the filmmakers saying, "Oh, Karen Gillan can totally carry a film, and she's she's going to be the straight man, as it were, and, and get everyone else through this." In a, in a film like this, because it's so much of everything, perhaps there's less focus put on on an individual elements like fighting. Um, my mind sort of turns to the film Central Intelligence, which is also a film with Kevin Hart and The Rock, and that's got a lot of gunplay, which is fine but because it's a comedy not really an action movie they sort of they get on by with just the bare minimum of action choreography well i mean shall we talk about kevin hart yeah let's talk about mentioned him so is is kevin hart capable of talking or does he always screech (laughs) look okay (laughs) i actually it was central intelligence which ended up me really quite liking kevin hart now we can talk about some stuff he's done in real life. We uh, He was going to host the Oscars, then some tweets came out, and then he wasn't going to host the Oscars. So all his films seem to be screech fests. And then he's in Central Intelligence, which was kind of a screech fest film as well, but randomly went to see that at a cinema with no expectations, and I found The Rock really hilarious, and Kevin Hart bounced off him really well. I think Kevin Hart was being the straight man in that film, so... Maybe that's worked. He was he was toned down a little bit, but um, yeah, they, they obviously have a good relationship, uh, The Rock and, and Kevin Hart, and I think it works really well here. Yeah, he portrays Franklin Finbar, who uh, the character Fridge selects, thinking that it's uh, Moose and that he'll be like a big tough guy, and his actual nickname is Mouse, and he's a little squeaky guy who basically serves as the inventory for and sidekick for Smolder Bravestone. He just carries a backpack, which is just uh, stuck <laughs> to his back constantly. As the film went on, I did find him just a little bit annoying. Uh, what did you think, Lisa? What, what, what did you think of Kevin Hart's comedy stylings? I, I mean, nothing to do with his performance, mm. but I think just as the character in the film, I didn't do much for me. I did think the backpack thing was funny, but a bit overdone. Mm. It got funnier towards the end, I think. The cake thing cracked me up, though. Mm. I thought it was funny, actually. But I think yeah, towards the end of the film, he's he's a zoologist. He discovers his skill of zoology, and so whenever a dangerous animal appears, he knows everything about it. And then towards the end, he rocks into the frame riding an elephant, screeching, zoology bitch. And I think <laughs> that's the tone of his humour, it's, it's a lot of that. But I did, I did like how when he discovers that he's got none of his jock capabilities, he's got none of his strength or agility that he did have in the real world, 
but he starts to own the zoology aspects of it. He, he actually starts to appreciate the, the cards that he's been dealt. Yeah, I, I think that's the case of all the characters that they have to deal with it, like Bethany as Shelley uh, can read maps. They have a map and um, he's the only character who can actually see what's happening on the map. And the map, you know, again, is a video game mechanic, just as much as it is a kind of jungle explorer mechanic, but here it reveals the levels that they have to go to um, as their next stage in the progress of their mission. I liked how the map would populate as they went through it, just like mm. in a video game. I like that as well. Yeah. Uh, so their mission is introduced to them by their first character that they meet while in Jumanji, and that's portrayed by, again, another welcome addition to the cast, Reese Darby, playing Nigel Billingsley, mm. who is their first NPC. And as... What does that mean, Rory? Well, Spencer, <laughs> through the medium of um, Smolder Bravestone, explains that's a non-player character. I guess his role is um, to give the backstory of Jumanji and their mission while they're there. So he introduces himself and he, um, as NPCs are want to do, just repeats the same thing over and over. He explains that Professor Russell Van Pelt is an explorer. There's this big jaguar statue, the jaguar shrine in the centre of Jumanji with a sacred jewel attached to its head. And Van Pelt steals the jewel and assumes the dominion of all of Jumanji's creatures that will do his bidding. And in order to lift the curse of Jumanji, our heroes must return the jewel to the jaguar and shout Jumanji. And I guess this exposition is done via a, they actually call it out, a cutscene, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. We get a sepia-toned film within a film and the characters say, what the hell is going on? It's a cutscene, blah, 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 blah. And since I was on a DVD, I could skip it if I chose to. (laughs) So I decided not to. With the invaluable help of your associates, you must use your complementary skills to return the jewel to the Jaguar's eye and lift the curse. And I'm sure you'll want to get started right away. Actually, I think... Good luck! The fate of Jumanji is in your hands. What? Oh, and remember, the goal for you, I'll recite in verse. Return the jewel and lift the curse. If you wish to leave the game, you must save Jumanji and call out its name. What do you think of the villain? I mean, he's, he's by design, is kind of a stock villain, isn't he? The villain is portrayed by Bobby Cannavale, and I think it's fine. I like the fact that he has, like, a wacky green eye once he's got possession of the jewel, and there's a few little gross-ish moments with, like, bugs crawling out of his mouth and into people's ears and all this kind of stuff. The cutscene ends with the villain saying, I'm going to murder whoever gets into possession of this jewel. Then Nigel says, here you go then, and hands the jewel (laughs) over to the cast. And then they, did the bike chase come before or after this bit? Uh, Just after. So they, they, that's where they find out their strengths and weaknesses. And then they are pursued and attacked by motorbikes firing rockets at them. Mm. And that's when... Goes a bit Mad Maxi. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's it's quite interesting because that's when they just reveal their strengths and weaknesses. And so um, the rock is just outpacing absolutely everyone. And then you have poor Finbar Mouse just 
complaining that you can't run very fast and it's you know it's hard to look like you're running slowly i think that's like mm-hmm. a kind of specific acting skill which i think he pulls off mm. i like the main villain but i thought the whole bike gang thing wasn't very interesting for a movie and it was not very video gamey either i mean i was thinking like we've been playing a lot of uncharted and there's certain times where you have scenes where you're like you know on the back of a van or you know on the back of a truck and there's biker gangs or people with dirt bikes shooting at you and such wow but there's yeah, a minigun on the back of this van again that's convenient <laughs> uh oh look a turret um, <laughs> so many turrets <laughs> but yeah it's i mean i think a little bit of that is that this is trying to be a hodgepodge of lots of different stuff but it didn't feel very um Jumanji it didn't really fit I think with with what this was trying to do so we'll warp a little bit to when they reach the bazaar they're basically tasked with looking for a missing piece mm-hmm. and they're told that it will be in the bazaar area we also they're, they're led to a task by a little boy the boy takes him to see a snake in a basket and I enjoy this little scene where they have to confront their their fears. We know that Karen Gillan can't cope with Venom. And I think they decide they have to stare stare the black mamba snake in the eye. <laughs> and immediately Kevin Hart's like blinking like a motherfucker. He's like, oh, no, no, I can't do this. I'm not very good at staring competition. And Bethany goes like, I'm amazing at this. I don't know if I'd ever been established, but I liked her confidence there. Me too. And I say I, her, I'm referring to Jack Black, remember? I figured that was due to her being able to take selfies. She's amazing at staring because she just keeps her eyes open while taking photos of herself. But ultimately it's down to Finbar with his zoology expertise to get them to defang the snake. Mm. And inside the basket they find a little clue, which is an elephant figure. And there's a note to say, when you see me, begin the climb. So, I don't know, is, is, I guess video games kind of have clues, but usually it's not something you solve yourself, it's just the character in the cutscene does. I don't know, we watch a lot of, well, we play a lot of Uncharted, and in the cutscenes it's always like, Shangri-La, it's Shambhala. <laughs> What's Shambhala? You know. Shambhala. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all very much just, you know, Kate, come take a look at this. If yeah. you go back to the classic Lucas, uh, Lucas games, though, like Monkey Island especially, they have very um, vague instructions and you basically have to click on everything. <laughs> Unless you think about it and you actually oh, solve the puzzle. Yeah, I don't like to do that. <laughs> no, but sometimes it's, you'd have to, you'd basically need the instruction manual to complete certain things. I don't know, Lisa, you're a point-and-click yes, adventure so master. So I would say it depends on the game you're playing. Mm. I do like it better if you solve puzzles yourself, but that's because I grew up with a very intricate, you're, you're just very better than weird... Us. That as well. <laughs> <laughs> better, higher educated, prettier. But let's move on. See, <laughs> I was too busy playing platform games and action games while you were using actually useful, practical skills by playing point and click adventures with logic puzzles well and... it's things like put the fish on the bongo drum so there's a steady drum beat things like that <laughs> oh come on i i not, not a day goes past i don't jump on the platform 
I'm like, what, is that a platform? I'll jump onto it. There I go. I thought you said there's not a day job class where you put a fish <laughs> on a pair and set up bongo drums. <laughs> that too. But yeah, the, so Bizarre was, was a little bit of video gaming stuff. They find the piece. They also find... Sorry, um, uh, original Jumanji board game piece? Yes. The um, There's also statues in the final encounter in the jungle with the jaguars. There are these statues which are also very similar to the original board game pieces. So yes. there's that nice little bit of uh, connection there. So it's those pieces and the title... That's the connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, thinking about this all, thinking about the spot, um, the snake as well, I realised the first film was very much like a horror film for kids. The, mm. the quicksand stuff, when people are sinking through the floorboards and there's a spider coming to your face. I never got a sense of fear in this. It was all very broad and, and farcical and a little bit silly. It's one of those sequels where they take the mickey slightly out of what came before i can see how that might rub fans of the original up the wrong way i think there's certain aspect of it is yes because they have multiple lives a certain amount of danger is removed from that it's only when they are down to one life that the odds feel tight i think a little bit of the tension is also removed by the fact that they're not taking turns I always liked in the original mm. the fact that, mm. you know, you they roll the dice and they have to wait around and see what will happen next and interpret the clue. Just be thankful they didn't get sucked into Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they'd be constantly dying. Mm. They meet uh, Alex, who appears. His, what's his, What's the name of his um, His character's avatar? Jefferson Seaplane. Jefferson Seaplane. Jefferson Seaplane McDonough. I see. Uh, plane. Well, I guess I wonder whether it's like Jefferson Airplane was what they're referring to, but yeah. Anyway, he is actually in the real world, Alex Vreek. Yeah, I don't think is you the... take that long to guess that, do you? No. I mean, that there is clues, the fact that everything he says has a slight 90s slang twang is what they pick up on as to this isn't right. You've clearly been in this game longer than you think mm. you have. To be fair, he talks a lot like I do today. Yeah, <laughs> totally stoked. My references haven't really progressed since 1996. <laughs> but uh, Alex, uh, he is betrayed by Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers. Mm. Three. There's Joe, Jonas, and the Nick. other one. No, yeah, this is Nick. Oh. Who's the third? <laughs> oh, no. I don't... I, even I'm too old for the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> mm. Jonah Jonas, then? <laughs> Jonah I looked Jonas. this up. Because I didn't know, and now I can't remember. Okay. Joe. Nick, Joe, and Kevin. You're right, it is Kevin. Well done. Yay! Yay. Kevin Jones. I've known this for about two days. Um. (laughs) (laughs) The best two days of your life. Of course. I've never listened to any of their songs. What do we think of Nick Jonas in this movie? I like him. Yeah, he's alright. I don't think he's got... I think his, his avatar... And the actor are, are kind of are less interesting than the four we've already been introduced to. The main four are more distinctive mm. and probably all better actors. <laughs> I think that, I don't think he has much charisma or really I don't know sells the idea that he's been trapped for so long or it's, the states it, of his 
you know, he's only got one life left. He's just... also hamstrung a bit as well because initially it's meant to be a surprise that he's the young boy. But if we knew right away that he was the, the young boy from 96, if we had spent more time with him in 96, then we'd have, we'd have more fun sort of analysing how he is now. But, yeah. but there's, you don't get that with him. You know, there, there's potential depth to his character, which either isn't explored by the movie because they're too busy focusing on the other leads, or just he's not very good at selling it. And mm. there isn't such a disconnect. So, uh, you know, how The Rock is now a nerd, mm. but with him, he's like young and attractive, and he's supposedly like. A young, cool guy. Yeah. So... Maybe because he's been in there he's for so long, he's just fully assumed the personality of his avatar or something. But he just seems pretty like, oh, yeah, I can make frozen margaritas, by the way. Oh, that was funny, though. No. <laughs> I know, but like, it's just like... What a skill. I forgot about that. that there's, there's nothing else really to him apart from that. Yeah, he's just a bit anxious. I mean, to be fair, we he does learn that he has been in there for 20 years, not a few months. And that's quite a disturbing thing to discover. But I think rightly the film doesn't focus too much on that, but then it does make you think, well, what's the point of his character? Skipping ahead, I actually started to really well up and cry when we meet him back in the real world. (laughs) I'll get to that a bit later. But yeah, in the game itself, I I don't think uh, Jonas really gives us much to play with. Well, he leads them to safety and to, uh, as we mentioned, the treehouse, which was formerly occupied by Alan Parrish, based on the graffiti, a.k.a. Robin Williams' character yeah, in he, the first he's, film. He's, ca- he's carved Alan Parrish was here. Have, if you've ever done graffiti, you've never put your full name. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put, you'd put Alan as here. He reveals that he's never got past the next level. He's only got one life left, and that's to get to this transportation shed where they can fly to safety because he is, Alex is a pilot. At least that's his character. I really want Doritos and margaritas now. Doritos and margaritas? Is yeah, that like, like taste combination? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was just because they sound alike. Dorito margarita. Dorito margaritas. Well, there's so many different flavours of Doritos now, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it'd be a fun thing to order. Dorito margarita. We've mentioned before, this is around about the time they do a bit of a... Um, dance fighting, uh, Bethany, a.k.a. Jack Black, um, schools, Martha, a.k.a. Karen Gillan, in How to Flirt with Security Guards. And then she kind of really messes up the flirting, which is hilarious. She walks around like a rag doll. She's so funny. It must have taken a lot of practice for her to do something that's not incredibly sexy. I'm sure she didn't just nail that first try. Or perhaps she had to learn to be really sexy before you know, before she became a model. That's how she walks normally. <laughs> but just her, her face. I mean, mm. look at her. Okay, just if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go look at her later. Okay, in flirting situations, the key is making them check you out without letting them know that you know that they're checking you out. You're just like, whatever, I'm doing me. And then when they try to talk to you, you can play it one of three ways. Dumb, super into it, or nasty. Which way you play it depends on what kind of guy you're dealing with. This is like my dream and my nightmare all at one time. I'm not going to take that personally. Now, hair is everything. Touch it. Move it. Play with it. Move it around a lot. Hypnotize them with it. Give me a flip like that. Okay, now angle your eyes down. Now head down. Tilt up. Eyes big. Now sparkle. Sparkle? Like an anime character. 
Now, Sparko. Needs work. But yeah, there's the dance fighting. They enter the garage, which is again is a wonderful garage. Garage. That's where, that's where planes are kept, isn't it? <laughs> in the plane station. Um, no, there's a wonderful variety of again another little video game nod was there's a school bus in there, there's a plane, a helicopter, lots of random incongruous vehicles. But they choose the helicopter and then there's a special effects, visual effects sequence. <laughs> or Lisa was drinking then, but um, surprised it didn't squirt out of her nose and rage. <laughs> Boiling water. <laughs> <laughs> it's just steam coming out. It's so angry. Uh, there's a visual effects sequence with albino rhinos, giant rhinos. And um, at one point... Uh, they drop the jewel, and so I think the rock pushes Kevin Hart out of the helicopter in the get in the film, not in real life. <laughs> he pushes him out of the helicopter to obtain the um, the jewel again. And again, they tell through the story a little bit of exposition. They show that if you die while holding an item, you still keep the item after death, and that does come into play a bit later on. But they eventually crash land. And eventually find, after there's a little bit of character stuff where they profess their feelings to each other, I think we've already mentioned that, they get to... Uh, feelings. Skip, feelings. Skip. <laughs> I want to see me more rhinos. <laughs> rhinos don't have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> they arrive at the Jaguar uh, statue. Truth talk. This is where I kind of pause the film and then watch the rest of it the next day. Um, because it is just, it's just some action. It's fun. It's, it's it's quite a long film for what it is. How long I is mean, it? I mean, it's just under two hours. How long does the game of Monopoly usually last? Uh, days. <laughs> 20, yeah, 24 hours. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I just sort of feel like... Because there are these action sequences and they're fine. Um, and it's nice that this film does have so much character focus. It's very much more about the characters and their arcs than it is really about the the story within the game because it is just you know MacGuffin chasing and getting from point A to point B they didn't do have to do the character stuff but I think they you know they did and it works yeah but it just means that I don't know it's hard to really get too fired up by the a man the drives a motorcycle the up the back of a giant Jaguar and you're like eh. <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> it's no stampede <laughs> Uh, yeah, they get to the Jaguar statue and they split up, they come together, they do distractions, there's more dance fighting. <laughs> yeah. Snakes. The the sna- r- I like the snakes. The yeah. rock gets eaten by a Jaguar after being scared by a squirrel in a tree. Oh, that's true. In fact, in the credits, if you look at their names, their names are with pictures of the animals which killed them. So for the rock, it's a squirrel. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. No. They get the crystal... To the panther, to the jaguar, even the giant jaguar statue. But how do they do that? What's her face? Karen Gillan, Martha. Martha. She has two lives left, and so she purposely steps on the snake to get killed by snake venom. She pops out of existence and appears in the sky and passes the gem to the rock just as he arrives at the top of the jaguar. And he inserts the gem... And there's a pregnant pause where they realise, oh, nothing's really happened. And that's when they shout, Jumanji! Jumanji! 
And I thought they were going to be sucked immediately into the real world, but no, they, uh, a shockwave appears, the baddie turns into lots of rats, it's really gross. I always like it when a villain dies, because you think, oh, how are they going to turn into a million bits this time? <laughs> it's always like, are they going to melt? Are they going to turn into sand or plasma or dust? Are they going to turn into rats? And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> what did I see recently? Someone's just a pile of rats. Coronation Street. <laughs> no, I'm... <laughs> EastEnders. <laughs> yes. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, they introduced a supernatural element uh, to this series. No, I think it was uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yes. TV series, yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a typical vampire trope. Yeah. But we do a final farewell to Nigel. Yeah, lots to... of games have a, an epilogue, the mm. closing mm. cutscene. Mm, that's usually when your mum walks in and you can't skip it. You're like, ah! Dinner is not ready. <laughs> I need to watch the credits of the video game. So he shakes the hands of the avatars and they all get sucked out into the real world again. But there is a pause where hmm. Spencer as Smolder Bravestone thinks about staying in the game and he says, what if we didn't go back? Him and Martha, they got a connection now, but... I guess there is a worry that... He'd fall into a pit of spikes and the two spikes would go into his <laughs> eyes. Well, no, there is the worry that, you know, back in the real world, what they have, the connection that they had there might not be the same and he's no longer going to be super strong in The Rock. I guess something which, having looked at the trailer of the new film, there is a suggestion there that he wants to return to the game. Mm. And so it's it's, you know, it's an interesting thing that they i don't know whether they introduced that purposely as sequel bait or it was just i think it was a nice bit of character what? tinge you would think sort of like that character from the start would be like oh get me out of here you know where's my allergy medicine and, and things and the fact that he you know wants to stay in that world rather than the real life he has is yeah interesting well i think the fact that the very last scene of this film is them destroying the game with a bowling ball really does indicate they did not plan a, a sequel to this. I mean, of course, whenever you make a film based on an IP, you want to have a sequel, but I, I kind of appreciate how they give us a definite ending. But I think even the original Jumanji, that, you know, that didn't have a direct sequel straight after. Um, it does have a little link, as we mentioned, of, you know, the board game being watched up on the beach. But I always, I never saw that as being a lead into a sequel. It was more just like, you know, it continues, but the we won't see that. Continues. Yeah, someone else will oh, that's good. have that. But I never thought like, oh, they teased a Jumanji sequel. Where is it? Where's it gonna be? It's just well, always I, like I myself, little... I went to the cinema year on year, every year, demanding <laughs> where's my Jumanji sequel at the box office. Where's Jumanji two? <laughs> where's Jumanji two? Or uh, Tumanji, as Tumanji. it would have been called, no doubt. That's in French. No. I'll say that'd be too E.T., but no, it'd be De Mangi. De Mangi. Yeah, De Mangi. De Mangi. Le Petit Déjeuner. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out our heroes are back. It's nice to see our guys again, and they all seem to be chummy. Um, Bethany's going to go on some adventure holidays. Um, Martha and Spencer seem to be mates, and I guess Fridge is a bit more appreciative of his friends. You know what? They all live happily ever after until and, the next level. And uh, Alex has turned into Colin Hanks. <laughs> so, yeah, when they arrive back in the basement, Alex isn't there. Then they go to the the old freak house because um, the character is called 
Well, Alex, Alex Freak. Yeah. And um, suddenly the house is all lovely and turns out that Alex had been transported back to 96 and he's grown up to have an adult with, a, with kids. Didn't see any wife. But he's got a baby at least, and um, it's very uh, traditional thinking. I know. Oh, where's the wife? Maybe he's a single dad. Maybe he's got <laughs> kids with his own dad. <laughs> well, you accused me of being conservative a moment ago. This is modern. He's is happily, like... he's happily married man to his dad. That's like that interview with Jeremy Irons when he's saying that same-sex marriage wouldn't work because he could marry his own son. <laughs> Jeremy. I know. <laughs> Jeremy. No, but I did get actually quite emotional. I think cause partly it's because Bethany, you know, obviously had the hots for Alex, but she seems genuinely happy for him that he's had a life. And he's named his daughter oh. after the girl who saved his life. Yeah, he named his yeah, daughter that Bethany. That ruined me. I just started actually welling up to my surprise. <laughs> my, my heart opened up again, boys and girls. <laughs> um, lovely. And then, yes, then we destroyed Jumanji with a bowling ball. Credits. Um, <laughs> to what song? Oh. But the birdie song. No. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. Because is that in the, the jungle? The mighty jungle. Is the is the phrase "Welcome to the jungle"? Does that only exist because of Guns and Roses? Yes. I really... It's not like a thing before Guns N' Roses decided no. to do a song called "Welcome to the Jungle," right? No, I think this is just a very, very lazy. Uh, naming of the film it could have easily been called um in the jungle the mighty jungle or or, or jungle boogie jungle boogie it, i bet you anything they went through their rolodex and just thought well, what could we name our film i mean it makes sense because they do go into the jungle in this one whereas in the original jumanji the jungle came to them mm, so yeah. yes it does tell i mean maybe the first film could be called jumanji Welcome, jungle. <laughs> and this one's it's... welcome to the jungle. Yes. But no, I appreciate how the new one is going to be called The Next Level, which, again, is pretty boilerplate when it comes to video game movie titles. But um, Well, just, just to sort of bring everything... Should be called DLC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but just to bring everything together then, um, because this is a video game movie podcast, do we think this movie is video gamey enough? No. <laughs> I just think, what kind of video game is this supposed to be? Because clearly it's some sort of, oh, you play in a team. And, you know, usually that'd be one is the healer, one is the mage, one is, you know, strong. But that's really, not what they do. I really either. want a mage now in this film. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of action sequences. You got a lot of... Well, not a lot, but some puzzle elements. So it'd be action adventure But then the world isn't very video gamey either, I think. I mean, we mentioned the elements that it carries on through video games, such as lives and respawning and, you know, cutscenes. But those, I don't know, if it doesn't play around with the fabric of video games as much as I was expecting. I was just thinking there'd be more like, oh, they try and go somewhere and they hit an invisible wall. Or, you know, they find medipacks. Or, you know... <laughs> oh, I would yeah. love to have seen um, The Rock walk over a cheeseburger and feel invigorated. <laughs> I mean, they have the, the rations and they eat the cake or bread yeah. or whatever, like, from the stall holder in the bazaar, but... I, I don't think that's the kind of thing that's exclusive to video games. It could be as much like a kind of tabletop RPG or a Dungeons and Dragons style 
thing. I mean, I'd agree that, yes, the video game stuff is pretty surface, but I think it also didn't want to alienate the general public. And although video games are still massive big business, they are still a niche. They're not They're not as, bi- as much as a niche as they used to be, but it's like in terms of, of Marvel movies, although they are the most popular mo- movies on the planet comic book marvel fans are like one percent or something of, of the box office takings it's like everyone goes to see a marvel movies and they wanted everyone to go and see jumanji so i didn't think i think we had to be careful not to have things like invisible walls because they'd have to stop and explain invisible walls and all that jazz they um, explained cutscenes. they could have exp- i don't know mm. i think you could have explained things in a more subtle way mm. i think it was very on the nose this is a cutscene. This is what lives are. Yeah. But I think you could have made it more video gamey, explain that in a more subtle mm. way, and it'd still be enjoyable for a lot of people. I think, yeah, but if they just showed and didn't tell, if they looked at their arms and their lives disappeared, I think you'd get it, wouldn't you? I'm trying to remember how well Ready Player One conveyed all this, because that was the last huge video gamey thing. I think Ready Player One does video games better Mm. because it's quite heavy on the this is what a video game is but it makes more sense as a game and it's explained and not such a you know but even like wreck it ralph that you know you know what sugar rush is by the virtue of its existence i mean yes it's slightly confused with candy and chocolates and all that kind of stuff but you get the notion of you know, what the Wreck-It Rap Fits It Feel It's Junior game is, you get the notion of what the bug hunting video game is. And that doesn't have to, like, explain, oh, this is a game where you pick up a gun and shoot things and there's lives. And it's fine if the, if the, this film doesn't want to go full, go all in on video game... History lesson. ...stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it doesn't have to. But it just felt then that it was sort of falling in between two stools as to, well, what does it want to be? Does it want to be a body swap comedy? Does it want to be an action adventure? Does it want to be kind of a pastiche of video game lore? And it, in a way, it, it sort of ends up being a little bit like a diluted, weak version of, of all those things rather than one very satisfying um, whole. So much like the characters in this film, this film needed to decide which guy they wanted to be. <laughs> and they yes. didn't. <laughs> and they didn't. Yeah. So in terms, of, you talked about the video game connections here. I, I did, I still quite enjoy this film. I will admit though, I, I do enjoy it, but it's not going to have the impact out of the original. The the original, despite me sounding pretty negative about it at the start, it's, it is a milestone, undeniably. You know, it's a great family film with Robin Williams in it. It's um horror film for kids. It's got so many elements in it. Um, this one was a great summer movie and not much else. Released at Christmas. Was it now? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> well, they, they balls that up, didn't they? <laughs> well, they didn't because it made almost a billion dollars. <sighs> well, I thought it'd be amazing and I was underwhelmed and I'm not that excited for the next one either. But I did like the performances of everyone. Hmm. I thought, um, I was at the Hulk, the Rock, (laughs) (laughs) pretending that he's actually someone really weak. I mean, obviously not as the video game character, but he's not used to having that strength. I thought that was very convincing. Hats off for that. And um, 
I just, it was very, very entertaining just seeing the actors doing what they mm. were doing. But that was the only thing that kept me going. Ultimately, though, as this being a, not just as a video game movie, but this being a Jumanji sequel, do you think this has the same spirit of the original? I don't think it really feels very Jumanji-like. I think Zathura feels more Jumanji-like, not just mm -hmm. because, you know, it has a bit of a similar framework. But this is just a bit, it's a bit sillier, it's a bit cruder, doesn't really, it has emotional moments with the characters, but I don't think it has quite the same, like we were saying, the comparison between Robin Williams' character in the first film and Nick Jonas' character in this film Robin Williams really sells the fact that he's been trapped inside a board game for his mm. adult life. And in this, he's kind of just like, you know, sad that he missed whatever happened with from 1996 to 2017, <laughs> you know. But I, I don't you... think he really sells like the states of like, oh, what about my family? And, you know, all this kind mm. of stuff. It's all his margaritas. Yeah, so, he's you know. just gone to his head. <laughs> it's like, you know... I kind of I do miss my family, but oh, this is a nice margarita. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I seem to quite enjoy it, but I would recommend the original more, which just seems weird considering that I wasn't a massive fan of a lot of the original. But I was expecting to enjoy it a lot more based on the trailer mm -hmm. and the concept. I agree with you, Lisa, that the performances are what makes the film, and without that cast or without the performances I don't think it's really you know worth giving it too much attention it's like Tom Hanks and Big but there's five of them <laughs> is my tagline for this film <laughs> what about you well I really like the cast so I will definitely end up seeing the next installment mm. and if there's more I'm gonna probably watch all of them I didn't hate it or anything but it just yeah, it didn't didn't entertain me as much as I thought it would. And it is missing the creepy aspect of the original, which I quite enjoy. Mm. So I do think Sephora is the perfect second Jumanji film, but this one is just a new thing <laughs> that you can like or not like. Um, well, I'm going to check out Sephora then, because it seems to be... sounds like it's maybe the best one of the lot. So... Jumanji then. Uh, we'll be back speaking about Jumanji, I suppose, in December when the new one comes out. But what's up next on Games on Film? We're going back to a video game adaptation, a film which has spawned a sequel, um, but we'll decide whether it was worth doing in the first place. Uh, we're looking at Hitman. Hitman Full Stop is its full title. Yes, Hitman Full Stop. <laughs> because there's Agent 47 and I get them quite confused. Yeah, we're uh, doing the Timothy Oliphant version of Hitman, yes. who is in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino mm. movie. So, And there are lots of Oliphants in Jumanji as well. Yes, from <laughs> Elephants to Oliphants, Hitman is our next episode. Great. And in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with us? You can visit our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. Also, you can access it via tinyurl.com slash gofpod. There you can find... Links to the episodes, you can find trailers, information, random stuff, and links to where you can support the show through our Amazon wishlist or through a donation on Coffee. that's K-O-F-I. 
Uh, you can find us on all the social media channels. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just search for Games on Film Pod. And you can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. I myself am on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode and all episodes was composed by David Lightfoot. Uh, Lisa, do you have anything you'd like to plug and share? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LTDownyDent. Or you can watch some YouTube gameplay on Girls Don't Game. Yes, I also have joined in with a few of these uh, streaming uh, videos that we've done. We did the whole of Resident Evil 7. And Soma. And Soma. Basically, you can see Rory play, me scream, <laughs> and or clicking my way through point-and-click adventures. Yes, you do a lot of point-and-click stuff is your, mm. is your bag. And I'm planning to do a lot of reaction videos to these videos. <laughs> oh, very um, good. So I'd I'll, love to see I'll that. Then, I'll there be in the bottom hand corner of the screen. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, Harry, do you have anything to plug yourself? Um, not at the moment, actually. But just keep, you know, look at my comedy pages. Harry Steele Comedian. And you'll find uh, what I've done so far there. And you can also find Gamer Disco, which uh, I help run. Uh, music and video game nights in London, so find us Facebook, Twitter, and all the usual places too. Well, um, uh, well, <laughs> come to the jungle. Yes. <laughs> very good. So, thank you very much for joining us, Lisa. Pleasure having you on. Thank yes. you very much thank for you. having me. Thank you. And uh, yes, that wraps up this episode of Games on Film. Join us next time. And uh, I've been Rory. I've been Harry. I'm always Lisa. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.